It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Scharf. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Welcome back to us. This is our first show in a long time. It is our first show. We haven't done a show this year. No, this is the first new, but I don't think anybody would know that because we've been, oh no, we took a couple weeks off. We did. Well deserved. But we did. We did, I guess, a couple replays of some old shows because, well, Robbie and I have had a couple things going on for the past couple months. Right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. You want to... Well, Tell right, it or right do before, you want me? Right. They involve your parents. Okay. So, so, okay. So, December 17th, all hell broke loose <laughs> when my mother was rushed to the ER with complications of type 1 diabetes, and which kind of chain reactioned into pneumonia and a pulmonary embolism. And she, she w- was in ICU for five days. She was in restraints. It was as bad and dire and serious as you could get then because you know you can't just have one parent go down you gotta have another one so my parents who've been divorced by the way for 50 years somehow karmically communicated with each other and then my father ended up in the hospital also in ICU no actually much more ill than my mother um, but with something terminal so Let's see. Now, both parents in the hospital... He was, a, he, he was a chain smoker for 70 years, yes. probably. And he knew what Ended was going up, on with himself. Yeah, because he, he was, he was getting go. sicker and sicker and sicker. He, he did not want to go to a hospital for anything. He was co- very combative about getting admitted. He didn't like the whole process. Right. And uh, he was fighting everybody about doing it, but there was one oh, by the way, so was, my, to, so was my mother know, yes, fighting well, it all the right. way. Well, she didn't. No, she didn't. She, well... Yeah, she had. It was more of a urgent thing with her. But my father ended up having lung cancer, terminal that had uh, metastasized to his brain, and and so, he knew it. He just didn't. I think he, he didn't want to get confirmation that that was what yes. was happening, and and they the doctors did confirm it after a, a brain scan and some other things. And he he wanted to go, and he chose assisted suicide, and I respect the man greatly for that as difficult as that was for the family. Mm. He wanted out, he was in pain. And when the cocktail arrived, he couldn't wait to take it. That's how right. bad he wanted it. And yes, we had he, was in, care. He, was in, he was in a lot of pain and suffering. And it kills you, no pun intended, to see your loved one in such suffering. But you don't. You want them on this earth for as long as possible. You want them to stick around and but not as for much selfish as you want, reasons. right? You you want them to be free, but the people that love you, your you know your family and friends, are sort of left holding the bag, I guess. And this is my first experience with death. Okay, so close to me. I'm an only child, and I have never experienced anything like this. And I know it, it, everybody does. It's one of those, it's, you know, it's life. Death is life. Uh, so this happened uh, a week and a half ago, I guess. Okay, so January, to be exact, 21st. At home. At home, surrounded by yeah. us. He went out on his own terms. It really had an interesting effect on me. Not what I was expecting at all. And in the interim, uh, your mother was in a rehab facility for almost a month yes where it was uh necessary because she was not ready to go home and nor could she go back to the home that she came from because that was not equipped to take care of her right so in that interim time we trev and i found a place for her which is a a place for mom (laughs) (laughs) literally we found a place for mom and uh if you hear some errant laughing during this that's important yes. and, and much needed. And I think that we have to find the humor everywhere because that's what it's all about. There's some interesting, I don't say good news, but I think that 
what has probably been helpful is that the need for us to take care of your mom and get her comfortable and set up in the new place has kept you from concentrating on losing Paul and has kept your mind off of that. And And I think that's been a benefit in this in a weird way. It's kind of kept your mind off of thinking about what happened with him. Right. It's not like I am desperate to find things to distract myself because I'm I'm really okay with the grief. I'm okay. I'm okay with that, reflecting and being in some kind of quiet contemplation, which, by the way, I've had none of because literally the day after he died, um, Robbie and I had to get moving and move my mom into assisted living. I mean, it's just been, I've had zero time to mourn. I really, I had, I mean, traditional Grieving no. and mourning. I've had but no time, he, which, which, as you said, might be beneficial as much as I kind of wanted some downtime to just you, introspect. You, you were well prepared for him to go. No. Y- you were. You actually were more than you realize. And because you knew it was time and you let yourself let him go. It was, I think, appropriate. And you had okay. yes. special moments with him last week. Yes. And, to the extent uh, that you can, ever. As much as you can. When you're saying goodbye, okay, here's just a, I'm just going to get a little bit ahead of myself right now because as, as I was saying a minute or two ago about the effect it had on me, that it was very not, yes, I cried. I cried a lot, and I was heartbroken and bereft, but there was something hmm, kind of healing a little bit, and I want to talk about this because I think that losing someone a parent, okay, <sighs> makes you take a deep dive and a hard look at your own life and your past and your everything. And and I was okay with doing that and examining that. I still intend to look at that and be with it. Again, no pun intended, when the dust settles. <laughs> oh, boy. There will be plenty of time to grieve and mourn, plenty of time. And I will think of him often, and I... I'm fairly certain his spirit lives on in me. Without a doubt. And uh, I, we did find some humor there oh God. to pick some Super Bowl yeah, well, picks. Oh, uh, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. Because he did teach you how to bet on sports. He and, did. And so uh, Trevor he taught couldn't, me a lot. couldn't let him go without asking for on who, his who, he li- who he liked I had in to the get Super the Bowl. final pick. And he, he wasn't so up on the Niners or Chiefs, but he did say take the under. And he pulled that out. I took the under. That was a good one. And then I asked him to please help me with my picks. You know, to have a little (laughs) chat with the football gods. And, you know, keep guiding me from from football heaven. And one of his wishes when he was going was to hear bagpipe music. And it was a beautiful thought, even though he has, there's no, you know, what's the connection between him and bagpipes? I know, there's a connection. Well, there... Right. So we found a Spotify playlist of some bagpipes and we had it going while he was drinking the final cocktail and he seemed to be okay with all of that. And the, the bagpipe music lasted about 20, 25 minutes and and then all of a sudden it went silent and Spotify then pulled up, sounded like ACDC, Highway to Hell at that point. And that... <laughs> it was much needed levity. It was in kind the of funny at the time. So yes, as I as the everyone uh, was saying, Paul, swallow it. Just yeah. put it in your mouth right. and swallow it. I swallow it. Goes, and it's I vile. Said, it's vile. It's terrible. I, I really, like yeah. I had a nickel for every time I've heard that. <laughs> so okay, so can we recap? So let me tell you what the last few months. But okay, first well, I I get pneumonia. Okay, so let's just go back because if you know, for our listeners who who do listen. And follow us. That was okay. October. So I, right. So let's see. I got pneumonia for two months. I had maybe two. Um, Robbie just pulled out his little violin because I love a recap. I love to recap. Well, you? I just want you to know right, what let's... this has been like, you know, doing this show and getting through life as we speak. I get pneumonia. I had that for two months. I have like a tiny little window of happiness and health. And then my mother goes into the hospital. And then my father goes into the hospital. And then my mother goes into rehab, hospital rehab. And then my father dies. And then my mother goes into assisted living. And so, of course, she's here we are. not happy, lonely, and oh, so yeah. we're feeling all that. So but, the hell continues. But I think the, the lesson in this is 
don't put your parents in an assisted living home for yourself. Put them in a home for them. Yes. <laughs> because yeah, we, we yeah. found the nicest place we could think of, and it's not doing it for her so well yet, but it's still new. It's kind of like summer camp for your kids. Right. She's homesick now, right. but that's our fourteen-year-old. I always said yes. our parent, my my parents are like my bratty, defiant teenage kids. So we are wrapping up our segment right now, okay. and okay, then okay, we're okay. going to come on. Okay. And who's our guest today? Jonathan Asley. Okay, so this is going <laughs> to help us out. Yeah. All right, so we are going to take our break, and then we're going to come back with Jonathan Asley. So as much as I like a recap, I also like to sort of set up a nice intro, okay, so that people know what today's topic is about because we've got a lot to talk about. And I particularly wanted to focus in on loving and grief at the same time, how to incorporate both mourning and dating and grieving and living and loving with loss and crisis. And how do you do that, whether you're single or married? or in a new relationship. It's heavy stuff, but ultimately it's deep and it's rich and it's wonderful and it's bonding. And it really it, it really tells you a lot about someone. And I'm looking at you, Robbie, because I have learned so much about you during this process. Hmm. I mean, not anything so startling new because I knew that you were a good soul, but I'll tell you something, going through something like this can put a lot of pressure and strain on a relationship. And ours is still fairly new, and this is kind of our first experience with this level of heaviness. And we were really tested. And I just want to give you a little, this is me applauding. Thank no you. sound no, effect no, necessary, because okay. this is really real. No, no sound effect. No. Okay, so now, oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Well, what we have gone through, I have a little experience in my mom passing about 12 years ago, so that, prepared me in ways that at least in dealing with your mom yes that your expertise i, I was able to kind of hopefully help uh, a little oh bit, boy so. yeah and i yeah. and i want to ask you more about your mom too yeah okay because you were single when your mom passed away yes and yeah. i'm interested to hear how it affected your single life and how do you moved on and how did you incorporate it and how did it change you if at all maybe it didn't i don't know but mm -hmm. anyway so, so today we've got Jonathan Asley joining us, who is a returning champ. He was on season one of Done Being Single very early on. And what makes him sort of special and that episode special to me is that he came on shortly after losing his son. And it really, like the breaks, we just, you know, because um, he it didn't make a big... very shortly after. Very and, shortly and after. And he didn't have to be on the show, but no. he wanted to. And he did. And right. he showed up, and he really rose to the occasion. Right. And I never forgot that. It showed amazing strength and courage. And we're going to hear from him again because we have him on the show. Who better than Jonathan, right, to, to share his feelings and his insights on this. So let me Bring read you on. his bio, okay? The focus of one of America's leading midlife dating coaches has expanded into a deeper, essential philosophy of what it truly means to love. After losing his 19-year-old son, Connor, in 2018, Jonathan Asley's grief led him on a soul-searching inner journey where he became aware of an often overlooked dimension of the dating conversation. This is exactly what I'm talking about, because we're going to have that conversation today. He realized that the process of dating reveals the most common emotional health issues faced by many singles seeking a partner, a distressing lack of self-worth, self-regard, and self-love. Today, he is on a mission of encouraging both men and women to fully love themselves with a new book, What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway?, packed with fun, engaging spiritual and personal growth practices and his dynamic midlife love mastery mentorship program that inspires hundreds of people daily around the world. Jonathan, welcome back to Done Being Single. Welcome back, Jonathan. Well, thank you both for having me. And let me first throw a I just want to give you a big, gigantic Jonathan Bear hug. I, there are no words. And, and, and there's an interesting irony in that, uh, if I can share with you, because you've Please. just obviously told your audience about my son who passed away, but what isn't in that bio is that six months earlier, I had lost my mother 
and somewhat, you know, in a rapid fashion, much like what you experienced. But in her case, she went in the hospital just not feeling well. And three weeks later, she was gone. You know, and, and I always grew up going to my parents, you're not allowed to die. You're not allowed to die. You know, like, I mean, even as in my 50s, I would say that, you know, my folks were in their 80s and, and my father in his 90s. And you're not allowed to die. It was like that was the mindset I had. So and shortly after she passed and what I was blessed in that particular dynamic was we got a chance to say goodbye. And there was a there was a you know, there was a preparation to it. But literally days after she passed, like you, we had to put my father, who was in his 90s, into an assisted living facility because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he really couldn't take care of himself. So and that was it wasn't days. It was, you know, a couple months later. But there was a lot of like now I had to drop my life to help my my father. And that just, you know, turned my world upside down. Uh, you know, I wasn't able to focus on my business. I I was mostly had to be at his beck and call. And then a few months later, after we'd just put him in an assisted living facility and everything, out of the blue, my, my son passes away and it was in an accident. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that, you know, here I had like the perfect storm of things going on. It was like three hurricanes colliding, the passing of my mother, my father and assisted living, and now my son, which anyone who's a parent, you know, would say their greatest fear is losing a child. I mean, that's their worst nightmare. And I'm living it. And it was interesting because I remember at his funeral and I'm giving his eulogy. And I made a choice right in that moment because it had been about two weeks from the moment he passed. And I'm feeling the pain. I'm feeling the grief deeply. I'm feeling the anger and the denial and all those, you know, emotions you go through. And, it, and it's, it's not a pie chart. It's a, it's a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can go, okay, I did this and I did this and I did this. I just stood up. I remember speaking, giving his eulogy and I said, I'm going to grieve with love. Like, I'm going to make the choice that suffering is not an option. And what I really meant when I said grieving with love is how can I lean into love instead of anger, instead of depression, instead of denial, instead of fear? How can I lean into not loving his death, but how can I choose to love him? Because I knew, and I suspect this is the same for both your parents Mm -hmm. or anyone, is Nobody who's in our life wants us to ever suffer by their loss. Like, I knew my son never would have wanted that. Right. And just knowing that that's what he wants, would want, gives me the courage to step into it, into more of a loving act. And I don't know how to describe it, because word love is a word it's so hard to describe in and of itself, right? Right. So, I, but that's how I, that's the consciousness, that's the the emotional state of being that I chose to lean into. And, and what that did was allow me two months later to, it, it inspired me to write the book that I published nine months after he passed away. And it's, I, I keep asking myself, what would love do? How would love respond? Those are kind of now my new mantras in life is like when I'm faced with something challenging, what would love do? How would love respond? And that's what this experience has has gifted me. I like that. That's a great way to approach just about anything in life, any challenge, right? How would love respond? What would love say? How would love act, you know, when faced with anything, even just daily whatever aggravation? It's kind of like, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, well, I, I'm just there's something I'm going to share with the two of you. I'm actually launching my first podcast next month, and the title of my podcast is called the "What Would Love Do" podcast. In other words, it's taking everything you know, anything that's a you know chaos in your life or frustration or anxiety, and looking at it from the lens of love. So, I mean, another blessing that came out of this experience. So, I'm I'm launching my own foray into your world. That's great. <laughs> of podcasts and such. Okay, so that kind of brings me to my next question for you about loss and crisis and how it can throw an otherwise maybe strong person or strong relationship into chaos. And how how do how, 
you know, we're, I'm living this as are you day to day, but can a relationship withstand a crisis of that magnitude? And how do you get through it? And still, yeah. I'm and multi. Sorry for my compound. I, Robbie's shaking his head. Stop with the questions. Start and ask one, and stop Thank with you. one question. Well, I'm sorry, so Jonathan. sorry. Okay, because, sorry. You know, it, uh, from what I've learned is many couples, you know, especially if they go through a loss of a child in particular. I think a parent is a little bit different because, you know, it's it's the natural of order of things. And I felt my mother was 88 when she passed away, and I'm like. She literally, all she could brag about the days before was what a great life she lived. I mean, oh she was bragging about so it. Lucky. So, um, so she leaned into going, I'm ready. You know, I'm mm. like, it's, I'm, I'm okay with it. So losing my son goes against the natural of order of things. So now I don't remember the question. Uh, see? <laughs> see, sometimes Neither it's, does Travis. So that's, that makes two of you. So no, it's see, okay. Sometimes it's good to have no, to ask had, compound Can questions. relationships survive? Just, just yeah, going back through. to survive. So, oh, I know where I was going. So a lot of couples that lose a child, their, their marriage can just completely collapse. And I think the reason, and it's actually what I talk about in my book. So when I wrote my book, the, with the What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway, the idea is that when we, you know, one of the number one emotional health issues is I don't feel good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable, right? So when we shore up our self-love, our sovereignty, our self-worth, and what I believe is through a daily personal development, self-help, and spiritual practice, when two people have done the work, healing childhood wounds, addressing adult traumas that happen, it's like a vaccination to chaos. And going back to what you said, chaos. So when I went through hell 15 years earlier, when I lost my quarter million dollar year job, I lost my money in the market, and I went through a divorce, that's when I began personal development, self-help, and spiritual work. So that by the time Connor passed away, it was almost as if I had a vaccination to chaos, and not that it's not going to be painful, but it's more like, you know, when you get a flu shot, it's going to lessen the blow of the flu, if I believe, if work has been done in advance. So if two people have done their work in advance, I think they can navigate chaos, if you will, mm -hmm. not easier, but with a, more, a little more grace. I agree yeah. and well said. I think it's very different when you lose a child as opposed to a parent. Uh, you know, there's a, as you said, the natural order yeah. is is intact when a parent goes after a nice long life. Uh, a child yeah. breaks up that order completely. Okay, so it's very different. So after that, the break, I want to follow right, up so, on that. All right, we are going to go to our second break, and we will be right back with more from Jonathan Asley. Okay, so during the break, Robbie was goofing on me because he calls me scatty because, okay, I'm a little scatterbrained sometime, and I'm menopausal, and I forgot what I was saying. You see what I'm saying? I'm menopausal. And, yeah, right. And I got to say something. My brain has been so jumbled during this time. I feel like I it's a sieve. Everything is just going through my mind, and I think it might be overload, I'm not sure, but Jonathan had a great explanation for it at the break. And go ahead, Jonathan, tell us. Well, it's it's interesting because you were saying menopausal. I think you know I'm in my 50s now, and I wonder if my memory, you know, is failing me. And what uh, a therapist told me was that whenever there's loss, that emotional effect, if you will, and I'm going to say pain, is occupying space. And it's kind of swirling inside of us. So it's natural to miss things. So like when I, you know, when I said, what was the question again earlier? It's like, it, it, and, and part of that was because I got sidetracked. But there's also an element that's going on, especially during loss, during the grieving process, where it's natural to miss things, to not get everything. Yeah. You're, it's, you know, there's an emotion swirling inside of you that's taking up space. Yes. I'm giving a poor example of how it was explained to me, but you know what? I'm going to go with it rather than saying I'm menopausal or I'm too <laughs> <Go> old. <ahead. laughs> feel free. Yeah, I feel like I my brain only has so much bandwidth right now. Yeah. I can't do another thing. Like I can't do another task, and I can't retain another thought. And I'm just so much scattier than normal, and I'm pretty scatty. So mm -hmm. 
Um, so th bear with me, you guys. Sorry about that. But no anyway, worries. okay. So <laughs> I did remember what I was going to say about preparing and how you can never be prepared. And I just want to say that my response to my father, my father's passing, and Robbie was saying that I had prepared. And yes, I did because I knew it was coming. Okay, what I did not prepare for was, and this is actually a good thing, it sort of gave me an opportunity for a healing in a weird, strange way. And I feel like it gave me, it, it really confirmed for me that you have to provide your own closure in life and that sometimes, you know, you've got to tie up your own loose ends and you've got to finish your own unfinished business and you've got to find your own closure. And to me, that, particularly with my father, because I've, I've had years to sort of deal with it and at times, he, and I said as much in, I did a little Facebook tribute for him. He was a complicated guy and we had a complicated relationship. And it has been on me all these years to find my own healing because he is who he is and me and I don't know I think going back to what you were saying about preparation Jonathan I don't yeah. know how this relates back to what you were saying but I found there was a little something in there for me to bring out well I think what I observed was you know when my mother passed away I wasn't prepared but then again I was able to accept it from the perspective of, you know, she lived a good life. So that was kind of the mindset that I had. She lived a good life. And so for me, closure is about acceptance. And so when I can accept it instead of fight it, because where I think a lot of suffering comes is the fighting or in denial. Mm -hmm. And so when Connor passed away, and, and it's interesting because like you, I, I, I haven't had anyone close to me uh, you know, my entire life. I mean, no blood, I mean, no real direct blood right. has ever, you know, passed away and, and certainly even close friends, nobody. So this was my first experience and just, tra you know, traversing that and just coming to acceptance, I think actually helped prepare me for when Connor passed away because even though it was accidental, there was no one to blame. You know, I mean, I could have said, you know, I could have said it was a drunk driver or I could have said it was this. It wasn't any of those things. And for his um, for his privacy, I'm not going to share the particulars. Um, but it was like something like I, I didn't have to. It was basically on him if I should. If there I, I don't there was no one to blame. Mm -hmm. So in this particular case, I just chose to accept the loss and recognize that he was on here for a short, you know, I, I look at a life, like my mother lived a life of like a Hallmark movie, <laughs> you know, like, you mm -hmm, know, like mm -hmm. uh, all the drama that goes with it and the travel and all that kind of stuff. But she lived a whole, you know, and I feel like I'm living a life of like action hero kind of life. And, and I mean, that's a poor exact analogy of it, but you know, everybody has a different, you know, some people have a sci-fi life. Mm -hmm. And in my son's life, I said, you know what? He lived a short documentary or a short film. And so that's how his journey was. And that's how I choose to accept it. And I think through acceptance, I've gained closure. Now that didn't happen. You know, I mean, your, your loss is like literally days ago. I mean, it literally was so fresh, but how I was able to really step into it and, and be able to move forward for myself was I chose acceptance as my way to navigate this experience. And that's not to suggest that I'm bypassing the emotions that you go through, like, you know, the anger, the depression, the denial, which I, I've experienced all that. But I feel as though that by choosing acceptance and leaning into love, that's helped me navigate it. And it's been a year and a half later, or more than a year and a half later since he's passed. And for me, it worked. I mean, it's when I say it worked, it's allowed me to I, I mean, I'm, I have a lot of gratitude in my life. I have so many blessings in my life and especially leaning into when I say leaning into love, I lean into blessings and gratitude. And interestingly enough, I feel a sense of inner peace. And because of this experience, I'm actually I'm not 
ever in a state of too much happiness or too much sadness because I'm just kind of in this space of Zen. Mm -hmm. And because I'm choosing to lean within with love and acceptance and gratitude and appreciation, it's just making a lot of other things in my life when I'm feeling that, you know, anxiety that something like professionally, you know, I didn't get that client or something happens. I'm not, it's not like the sky is falling. Right. And interestingly enough, when, when uh, Ram Das passed away, I'd watched his uh, movie called Be Becoming Nobody. And it talks about the importance of really learning to accept, like learn how not to fear death. And since then, I've learned to lean into death as a different experience in life. And when I'm, where I'm going now is to say that I have a relationship with Connor and even my mother that transcends the mortal body. I'm learning to lean into the spiritual connection I have with them. Instead of focusing on them not being here, I'm saying they are in my life. It's just in a different form. And and I want to share with you something that was interesting that happened. And this brings me a lot of joy. So the day after Connor passed away, I remember coming home to my place. And I have this beautiful kind of like stream and waterfall and all this jungle vegetation and something right before you enter into my building. And this yellow butterfly starts to follow me. I'm going, God, that's kind of interesting. I've never noticed a yellow butterfly before. And then the next day I'm leaving my building and this yellow butterfly starts to follow me. And I'm like, wow, that it just caught my eye. At that moment, I didn't think too much of it, but it caught my eye. Well, I live on the third floor of a condo complex, uh, the top floor, and I'm going out to my balcony the next day. So now this is the third day, and a yellow butterfly is hovering right over my balcony. <laughs> and I know without a shadow of my doubt, that's my son mm -hmm. saying hi. Like, I'm okay. Don't worry, I'm doing great. And since then, I can't tell you how often yellow butterflies cross my path. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like even like it's like not the time of year where butterflies spawn and they're out there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's probably not true, but it feels that way. It's a beautiful it's, thing when that happens. I, I have a, a friend and a couple who uh, lost uh, their son about eight years ago. And right after that, they encountered a dragonfly. And the same thing happened. This dragonfly was hanging around. And so it became very special to them. And they put all their attention into this dragonfly, thinking that was their son, letting them know that he's okay. Oh, no, I just think that's great. You know, it's interesting because when I posted uh, on Facebook and I shared with my community what had happened, I mean, the outpour of love from people was just tremendous. I mean, I think that Facebook post had over 2,000 comments, which is like, I mean, comments, you know, which is unusual for a post and thousands of likes and such. Um, and I shared with my community my son's nickname and his nickname was Salty or is Salty, I should say. I don't want to say it past tense. His nickname is Salty. So ever since then, I started to see T-shirts that would say Salty Crew or Salt Life or like, I mean, like all kinds of things salty. And then Facebook friends would send messages. They saw this out on the street and they would take a picture and then text, send it to me in a message on Facebook. And even a year and a half later, I literally, a week doesn't go by where somebody through social media or some, you know, even people who know me personally will send me a text message. I saw this and it's a picture of like salt, something, you know, something related to salty. Nice. And it's on billboards. And to me, that's him telling everybody to pass the message on to me that I'm okay. Like, that's what I get from it. So I'm, it's able, it's also helped like give me a blanket of love that there are other people out there like being conscious enough to go, I took this picture for you or, and by the way, now I get things in the mail. Like I got like this salt lamp. <laughs> I get anything that's salt related, wow. salt mug, salt t-shirts. Oh, I mean, people send me things. And that to me is Connor passing messages on to me. That's lovely. That's lovely. I, I want to believe that. Cool. I like that. Yeah. So, just little, little signs. Um, gosh, I remember I don't know, I think a psychic one time told me that uh, your grandmother is leaving, leaving you pennies around. Yeah. 
I mean, that's so common. I, everybody finds pennies, but I really find pennies, right? You find I paper do. money. I find money on the street. <laughs> You're unbelievable. You, on the she, sidewalk. She, she in finds the $20 bills. I do. <laughs> uh, but the pennies, you know, I do find a, a quite... A, you do find a lot of pennies. A lot of pennies. Anyway, whatever, that's you know cool. what, whatever makes you feel comforted, I, it's, I'm all for it. And I think yeah. that in, and I'm waiting and I'm not waiting for signs from my father. I'm going to just go about my life and feel his spirit through me. I say that all the time. You didn't have to know my father, but you know what? You do know him because you know me. And I'm, I kind of feel like I am my father's daughter. I have a theory, and I could be off here, but I feel like the reason why Connor's presence is so strong is it partly because I'm open to it? Like I really open my portal up to love and, and to the spiritual realm. I think with my mother, I don't feel her presence as much. And maybe it's because Connor's like pushing her away <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> In other words, hey, I've got dad covered kind of thing. But I feel as though that on some level, he has a spiritual need to want to connect with me. Whereas my mother's like, hey, I know you're doing fine kind of thing. Right. Like I, I get a different feel to it where he is like needs to make sure that I know it makes me cry that he needs to know he wants me to know that he's really doing okay that's so lovely and he makes an effort he goes beyond to make an effort of that for me so that's how I interpret it and I could well what the fuck do I know excuse my French no Uh, no, you you are amongst cursors here please swear away swear yeah swear in your hearts content content all right so we are going to swear our way to the next break oh no fucking way we have to yes fucking way is right so uh we will be right back with more from Jonathan Astley I have a question for the guys that's you and I Jonathan okay okay so (laughs) so you were single when you both experienced some loss did it change the way you dated or your taste or your standards or was it or no? I'll let Jonathan go first. Well, yeah, I mean, it's changed me in a lot of different ways. I'm trying to think where, well, a couple things trigger me. So from a dating perspective, most people I meet, it seems like through an online connection these days, I sometimes when I see a woman's profile and she's standing next to a son or two boys, I do get a little bit triggered. In other words, it, it there's a lingering memory going on of my own son and what's missing. So it, it does kind of affect me in that regard a little bit. The greater challenge I've noticed is that, you know, when I shared that I've lost a child, some women lean into it and are very empathetic and sympathetic and they're very open and loving. And for some people, it causes them to shut down. In other words, it's a very difficult thing to hear. And I had a brief experience where I was dating a woman where that was a challenge for me because she had two children. I've got, you know, two children. One just happens to live with his mom and the other one lives in heaven. And I still want to talk about my son, not from a perspective of filling in the pain, but in some sense, he's still part of my life. So I want to be able to talk about that with someone. So I'm very open right up front to tell someone I'm dating that I've lost a child. And I actually kind of sit back and see how they react to that because this is part of my life too. And if someone isn't able to lean into that or accept it, um, I don't know if I'd want to be in relationship with them. It's like saying, it's like someone saying they wouldn't accept my other son who's still here. Interesting. I did, I did shoot a video that said what to say and how to date a grieving parent. And one of the things that bothered me right in the beginning is when people say, I'm sorry. And I know what it means, but it bugs me. And it's because you have nothing to be sorry about. You know, like I don't, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. So I, and the reason why I'm sharing this with everyone is that like when you shared about what you, your, you know, what's with your dad, I've learned to now say there are no words because that way I'm acknowledging it without saying it was my fault, you know, and that's what I'm sorry means to me. And I know what it means. I know there's another meaning to it, but this is how it affected me. And, and these are just some of the things I like to hear. There are no words. You're in my prayers. That sort of thing brings me comfort. Mm -hmm. 
I certainly don't like when people give me advice about loss. I can't stand that mm-hmm. when they send me videos to watch or they, you know, they say it's God's plan or, or the, you know, things right. happen for a reason. I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah, I understand you know? that. I just want to hear someone say, there are no words. You're in my prayers. Can I give you a hug? That's what I want. I joined a couple grief groups and all it was was pain and suffering multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. And I got out of that group Mm -hmm. really quickly because that's not how I want to experience this loss. I want to experience it, as I said, with love. So from a dating perspective, it was interesting. I was supposed to have a date that night. Imagine I had a date that night that I found out earlier my son passed away. I mean, I just literally said in the text message, because I didn't, at that moment, I didn't care about anything. Mm-hmm. I just said, look, I'm dealing with a calamity. My son passed away. I won't be able to make it tonight. And I mean, <laughs> it was blunt. That's a good excuse. Um, <laughs> Can't yeah, use that every like, day. By the way, <laughs> does that count as a good excuse? That's a great no. excuse. As far as excuses go, you know, it's better than, you know, my my dog ate the homework kind of thing. I actually started a date a little bit right after he passed away because I needed something to kind of occupy my mind. I was like, literally, I needed that dopamine rush. I needed that Mm -hmm. swipe left, swipe right kind of thing going on just to kind of give me some sense of like connection outside of the pain I was feeling. And that was early on. But since then, thankfully... Again, it's allowed me to lean more into love. So I'm less, I guess I screen a little bit differently now because I'm really seeking even more of a heart connection. That egoic part of me is dissipating, if you will. And I'm seeking true connection. And that's because of the losses I've experienced. Uh, Jonathan, I want what, something deeper. I'm sorry. So the woman that you texted that excuse to, that was not an excuse, did you end up going out with her another time? No, it didn't work out. I was kind of on the fence of it anyway. So, okay. <laughs> you know, it kind of was like, a, no, I mean, I would have, I say that now it's been quite some time. I really didn't feel like going out with her anyway. And that sounds terrible, but I don't know. I mean, whatever was going on in my life at that time, it just didn't feel like the right thing to come back and revisit it. But maybe right. you knew that faster because yeah. of it, you know? Maybe it showed you something in you or in her faster than maybe usual. Well, I do believe that Malcolm Gladwell, I never say his name right, Gladwell. was the Gladwell. blink. Yeah, and talks about how we have 10,000 little clues that happen for us to make a decision in the blink of an eye. And and maybe I was experiencing that and the, the loss was just a piggyback from it. I don't know. What about you, Lovey? Well, when my mom passed, she was uh, deep in the throes of Pick's disease, which is a frontal lobe dementia. So she was years into something where she was not able to know who we were, but she recognized us and smiled and laughed, and uh, that was fine. It did not affect my dating life at all. Okay. It, it, had, it really had no effect. I mean, okay. it was a, a little bit of a grieving process that is still ongoing, but regardless, it didn't affect anything that was going on in my And has your life. grief taught you anything about you? Anything? No. Not really, because you know about with my mom. Okay. Well, I don't know. And, I don't and Jonathan know. doesn't know. So I, I will, just so you know, my mom died in a fire. Oh. In, my a, God. in a home because they oh. couldn't get her out. So oh. I've never properly grieved her loss because of the horrific nature she went. So that has been affecting me. The grief I know is breakup grief. That's the only grief I know. It's goodbye grief. And this is like, yeah. that's what this, when my dad went. It's the went, definitiveness of Right. It. So the definitiveness of this is, it's kind of, and this is what I was saying at the top of the show, how my father's death, it triggered something in me that was a little non-traditional. I mean, yes, I cried and I was heartbroken, but I was, oh my God, I had this weird anxiety, this panic, this feeling because something happened, something was shown to me, and the feeling of saying goodbye, I am familiar with that feeling, but only when saying goodbye to boyfriends. And my dad saying goodbye hit me like that. It made me feel like, oh, no, 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 you can't go. You, why are you going? There's still more. There's more to do. There's more to say. There's more to talk yeah. about. Why? You can't do this now. And, and that's kind of how I felt when relationships would end. I don't know. 
that's a very important part of your process. And I have a different type of a question in, in that I wanted to pose to Jonathan, and that is when you are grieving for someone that you have loved and have lost and you're newly dating somebody, how how are they processing it? And how does that help you? Or does it help you decide that she, she's the one or she's not the one because of the way that she is processing your grief? Well, that's a great question. And I observe how someone leans into that. In other words, is it is there empathy or sympathy? And I get the sense that when someone is sympathetic, they're not actually able to feel, look, nobody wants to feel what I'm feeling as far, I mean, with a child in particular, I think. We're all gonna face it with our family at some point, you know, with a parent and whatnot. And many people have lost parents, so that's not the same. With my son, I'm paying attention. Are they giving me sympathy or empathy? And Brene Brown does a great video on this. I'm, I, I'm going to butcher it. That's why I don't even want to share what it is. If anyone wants to look up, Brene Brown has a video called Sympathy versus Empathy. And I can feel that they're actually feeling the pain. And that, to me, says that there, there's a lot more compassion going on versus avoidance. Mm-hmm. And if someone is avoiding my talking about it, and I can feel this energetically, I can feel it. Like, I mean, I can feel the vibe, I can feel the aura if they are in compassion and empathy versus a closeness and sympathy. For me, it's important that I'm with someone that's empathetic to this. And again, not that they've experienced it, but there's a lot of compassion right. for me because this is going to be part of my journey with anyone going forward. They're going to have to be able to accept that I'm going to have some days where I break down. Right. Like it, and it, it took literally some kid crossing a street on a skateboard and reminded me of my son right. just a couple days ago. And I mean, I didn't lose it for that long, but I felt the pain. And so I'm seeking someone who's going to be able to navigate that with me. All right. So since all of us are going to experience this at some point, uh, what yeah. tips do you have for those that are once removed from the grieving person in dealing with their partner's grief? Oh, you know, I'm only pausing because I still haven't dated anyone long enough to really know, like giving a really good tip. Uh, What's fascinating is that when my son passed away, all of a sudden I started to hear about so many other people that that were in my orbit that lost children. And I know one woman who lost her son and she had just began dating someone. It was only a three week old relationship. And he leaned in, in support, um, just like you're leaning in with, with Treva, you know, leaning in with support, being there, not trying to give advice. I, that's the one thing. I don't want anyone to give me advice. I just want someone to just let me know you're there. And you don't even have to say, do you need anything? It's just being there, being present, and just listening. And for my case, I want someone to say, tell me a story about your son when you were five years old. Tell me a story when he was 12 years old. Tell me a story, because I want to talk about him. So I'm looking for someone who's willing to ask me those questions, and not the question, how did he pass? I want someone to say, how did he live? Yeah, that's great. Good advice. Okay. Thank you. I like that. Unfortunately, it's time to wrap up our show. No. Yeah, it is. So, Jonathan, let us know how people can find you. Well, uh, well, again, thank you, Trevor. Again, I want to just give you the big, gigantic hug. Thank Um, you so much. You know, like I said, there is no words, and my prayers are with you right now. Where people can find me, the show notes, I'm going to give away a couple chapters of my book, What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? So I'm sure if you press a button somewhere around here, there's a show notes, and hopefully you'll put that in there. If not, they can go to, um, my name is Jonathan Asley, that's spelled A-S-L-A-Y. You can find me on Google. You can find my website. You can find my YouTube channel for anyone who's dating. I shoot videos three times a week about helping women understand men. Um, And I've got a great, what I call midlife love mastery mentorship program where for just the cup of coffee a day, I give a lot of great content and a private group. So good for you. Thank Um, you. Thank you, Jonathan. I do disagree with you. I think you are an action hero. 
Oh, thank you. I do. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I also want to thank our audience for bearing through the leaf blower. Maybe it was uh, Salty and my father having you know, a, maybe a good Paul, laugh. That was, maybe, maybe that was were, Paul. Maybe it was Paul and Salty. You know, just telling us, giving ha, us a ha, finger ha. up there. and You guys kind of think you're us, so funny down right. there. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we know who's in control. <laughs> I wanted to talk about uh, the things that I've been doing to get me through this time, which I'm just going to list them real fast because I think we've got two seconds. But I'm going to just, this is how I've been getting through this. And I'm not, this is not my mourning and grieving process, but this is just the process of enduring, okay? Exercise, a lot of it. Sleep as much as you can. Get it where you can. And that includes naps. Therapy. I don't care if it's bereavement or your go-to therapist. Get on a couch and get some support and some help if you need it. Meditation. Spend 10 minutes on your own couch, please. Just close your eyes and do some deep breathing and check in with yourself. And if you want to know more about meditation, I can walk you through it on my website, trevabrandonsharp.com. Companionship, okay? I don't care if it's opposite sex or friends or family or just have fun. Get some levity back and some, some laughs if you can. Finally, my favorite, wine. And that is it. That's Treva's six tips to getting through a shitty time. Last thing, you guys can find us at dunbeansingle.com. Please follow us at dunbeansingle, and please subscribe so you can get more programming and content just like this that's fun, funny, hard-hitting. Jonathan, thank you again. I can go on and, and on. Uh, so, well, uh, I want to thank you so much and giving you both big, gigantic hugs. Thank you. Thank you so much. Back at you. Big yes. hug. And kisses. <laughs> Jonathan. All right, everybody. You. Have a great week. We will be back next Thanks. week with a new show. All right. Let me know. Send me the links and I'll post it on social media and stuff. You great. got it. Okay, everybody. Okay, thank you. Thanks, babe. Bye bye. Thanks. I'm Shadow Stevens with my friends Trevor and Robbie. See you next week on Done Being Single.